We embark on a different thought. We've been looking for several weeks at being encouraged and not being fearful and not being afraid. Uh, this, this evening we start with looking at being links in the chain. Links in the chain. You know, a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. I can say I have used chains often to dog down a machine on the back of a truck, a float we call them, and to make sure it's secure there. I remember once I didn't, <laughs> dozer fell off. Quite an interesting experience. But the <coughs> chain is something that is strong as its weakest link. And when you look at a chain, you can tell the weakest link, they're usually oval-shaped. But if they're a bit dented in the sides, alongside, on both sides, you know it's been stretched and it's, it could break. I remember thinking, as I found different chains in different places where I've worked, and thought, oh, that'll be a good chain to tow a log or to pull this or do that and hitch it around. <clears throat> and drive the machine, the dozer off, and, and it just stretches, 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 and it breaks, and all the links go skinnier and skinnier until one of them pops. <clears throat> but, you know, we're in this chain of believers together. We are links in the chain. We fellowship with one another. We're together. There's no escaping the fact that we are in this together. You heard that phrase before? <laughs> We've heard it from government officials and media people <clears throat> constantly over the last year. We're in this together. It's a global community. We're all in it together. We've got to fight this pandemic. We've got to do our best. We've got to do our part. Because if we don't do our part, we'll be the weakest link and it only takes one person to do the wrong thing or to lie on something, and uh, the, 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 <coughs> the, the bug spreads, the disease goes forward, and, and everybody that they find that has made contact with that person has to isolate, and, and a, a whole, people, whole lot of people are affected by one person being the weakest link, not doing the right thing. Now, you say, oh, this is a modern, a modern thing. No, <coughs> I studied this first in preaching on it in 1984 and these things that we are going to look at this evening or a few of the things that will carry into the other weeks are written 2000 and sometimes more years ago this thing we are in together speaking about the church how strong are you as a link in the chain are you sinning remember when Achan had sinned, they were going in to take the, the promised land. They won the victory at Jericho in a wonderful manner. and went up to Ai, I'll just send a few thousand people up there. We'll get that one. That's easy. And they, they, the people in Ai chased them, hunted them out, and men died. Thirty-something men died. Thirty-something men were not fathers anymore. Children fatherless. Widows, because there was a weak link in the chain who was called Achan. He looked and he saw the Babylonian garment, the wedge of gold and other things, and he took and he hid them in his tent. And the people of Israel lost the battle and people died because of it. And that's why the severe penalty of Achan and his family and all his goods were to be killed and they were. You know, it's important that we are strong links. When you think of a church and the people in it, how strong are we? How weak are we? Are we carnal Christians? And dragging everybody else down with our carnality. The power of the Lord isn't present because the spirit of the Lord is grieved in our midst because of the weak link. We are to be in fellowship with one another and joined together with one another and doing the Lord's work. What you do affects me and what I do affects you. And it is good when everybody's in tune with the Lord and in touch with him, as we've just <laughs> preached on recently, 
that the Lord might work through us. How you live and what you believe will adversely affect or benefit others in Christian circles. You know, when we're born into a family, we are inescapably joined for life to that family. You might divorce them, but it doesn't make any difference. You're blood brothers and sisters to your mum and dad and mum and dad and so so it is and we're linked for life and it is no different in the Lord's family we're linked for life we're joined together and let's go back and consider some of the thoughts in 1 Corinthians 12 that's only a springboard to move forward from that thought before we do let us pray Thank you, Lord, for the word. Bless it to our hearts and challenge us that we might be strong links, strong Christians in the chain of the church. And a blessing to others and not a burden and not dragging others down. Uh, Make us strong. We ask and pray through the word and the spirit tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a word that it's like links these things together and it's the word together or one another in the scriptures. You find it many times. I think there's 18 times, 18 points we have in this series that where that word is used in different contexts, in different places. And sometimes it is used, it's used more than that. It's used using the same thought in another book or another chapter of the Bible. So, Christians in the chain, tied to this family. Once we're born again, we're in the family. (laughs) And you can't get out of it. You're born in a family. You're a saved person. You're a Christian for life, into eternity. Uh, I pray that we would be thinking of that. And as we look at 1 Corinthians 12, 12, the body is one and has many members. See, one body, the church the body of Christ, and many members, like the chain, all links in it. And uh, <clears throat> we being many in one body, so also is Christ and his body. For by one spirit were we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. Stating the facts. <laughs> For the body is not one member, but many. A lot of, lot of, lot of little links. If the foot shall say, because I'm not of the hand, I'm not of the body. And then he gives all the illustrations. The eye says about the ear, and the ear says about the nose, and the head says about the foot. It's all given there, very practical illustration of how the body is one, but we are all individuals like links in a chain. Um, um, And then it talks about, in verse 22... Nay, much more these members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honourable, upon these we bestow more abundant honour. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. You know, the body all works together. You know, take your heart out, what happens? Well, of course, you won't live. Take one kidney, you can live with one. Take two, you'll be on dialysis for life. You, you, you. <laughs> all the other organs of the body which are uncomely you don't want them to be growing on the outside of your body on the inside they are necessary and so it is with every Christian every Christian is necessary important God would not have saved their soul <laughs> not to just be of nobody and of no value to add to the church their part their talent their gifts their abilities and for people Christians who don't use those things that God has gifted them with whether it be talents that we have naturally that God can use us through the spirit or spiritual gifts that are given to us that are mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12 and uh, Romans 12 we're not using them we're guilty of defrauding the Lord of that which he looking for that is a return from his investment 
For our comely parts have no need in verse 24, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honour to that part which lacked. Our bodies, as the scriptures say, are fearfully and wonderfully made, and that my soul knoweth right well. And the scientists and the medics and the uh, ones researching the body know that it's fearfully and wonderfully made, but they won't admit it because they have to admit there is a God. And then they have to submit to that God. But it is a wonderful thing we have it's tempered together that there should be no schism in the body, no weak links in the body. You know, they're looking, in, and we know all about the genetics they're talking about. They're looking into that and the genetics of a body and, and finding the genes that have gone wrong in people that cause different deadly diseases. And there should be no schism in the body. There's certain deadly diseases that enter into churches through people that are not as Christians walking as they should. They're receiving false falsehood and it's causing great strife. And as a pastor, I'm really concerned as you look around at churches around the world today and see the problems that are being brought in and constantly trying to keep up with what's happening and who's who in what and what they're preaching and saying because there's schisms in the body but that the members should have the same care one for another whether one member suffer all the members suffer with it and so it is you know if if you got a broken arm everything hurts it's not just a broken arm in your mind and the things and the the pain or a sore or whatever it is or if you know the deadly disease of cancer that one member and it spreads to other members and it 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 becomes like leaven and it, it goes through the body and all the members suffer with it and if one member is on it another members rejoice with it verse 27 now ye are the body of christ and members in particular so i think we get the idea of what the scriptures are telling us in the word of God uh, <clears throat> there is in Christ there is the fellowship first of all of organization the fellowship of organization which makes it possible for Christians to be knit together the fellowship of organization you say well that's not of the spirit of God that's men organizing but God's given us the ability to organize Ask yourself the, this question. Is God organized? Is he a God of order? Has he told us to be ordered in our lives? Yes, he has. He says in the word, do everything in the New Testament decently and in order. You know, you can look at a person and the property they own. You can look at a person in the way they dress, whether it's slothenly and careless and undone. It's not orderly. It talks about the, the ladies having the, the, the hair in order in, in, in the epistles. It, I can't get it when Christians who claim to be spiritual are disorderly. I know of one pastor that lost his job as a pastor because people would go round to his home and see how disorderly everything was. And it was the same in his ministry. He wasn't ordered. He wasn't disciplined. He didn't get down to study the scriptures and do things consistently. You know, you get things done if you've got a time and a place to sit down and study the scriptures. That's why you've got to, at work, you've got it all in order you come, you go to a manufacturing place, like where they put manufacture cars. You see it, and you say, "Wow, it's all orderly." Or it used to be people doing it, but now it's all these robots doing things and putting the cars together and moving. And well, <coughs> it takes order to get that done. Now, is God a God of order? God, there is a fellowship of organisation within the church that needs to happen, and we, as a link, need to take up our part and do it. Yes, God is a God of order. 
Recently, we've been told to look up on the 21st of December to the northwest and see Saturn and Jupiter line up so that they become one. And they tell us that it was 800 years ago that this last happened and it's going to be only a few decades, I don't know, about eight decades and it's going to happen again. How do they know, <laughs> incredibly, how do they know that these two, two planets can line up like that and we can see it from Earth as one dot? I mean, millions of miles and the things that they've been travelling around, 800 years, but they can figure out when they come together and now they've gone down and, and one's below the other and each night is getting a little bit further away from each other in the southwest of our, of our sky. How do they? Because God is a God of order. <laughs> in fact, they can go back and tell when eclipses happen right back. And they can go forward and tell us when and predict when another eclipse is going to happen and where it's going to happen on the earth. In fact, Josephus wrote about an eclipse in 4 BC just before Herod, who killed the babies in Bethlehem, died. He died in early March 4 BC. And they can go back and say, yes, you know, see, the historian said it happened. We can go back and say, yes. Why? Because God is a God of order. All these things run like clockwork. I mean, better than clockwork, atomic clockwork, if you'd like to say. God wants us to be orderly. God wants us to be neat and tidy in our behavior, in our deportment, in our presentation. I know some people get very upset. Don't tell me how to... Look at the Old Testament and how God ordered the priesthood to be exact, to have nothing out of place. Everything has a place and everything's to be in its place. And so the priest did it. And if they didn't, they were in trouble and could even suffer death from being out of order. God looks at his church and he's, he's putting the church together. He's putting the links of the chain together. He, he wants us to be doing things orderly. And you've found it in your life. If you've got that order, things get done. Things happened. Well, the fellowship of organization. We are to be knit together. This is the first one. And this is found in the book of Colossians, chapter 2, verses 1 and 2 where we read this, For I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you, and for them in Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen me, my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God, and of the Father, and of Christ, being knit together and of course when we think of knitting not a thing done today but uh, we see we see uh, ladies guilds and that sitting down and knitting and making things for different people and maybe missionaries or or fireys or whoever they they're doing these things it used to be you know knit the socks but they don't do that anymore <laughs> uh, but they, they knit together and you do this stitch or that stitch and you can and when you see somebody doing it really fast and they're making rows and they go back and it's all orderly, all everything's in order. But have you ever been around when someone was knitting and they, oh no, and they look back a few rows or something and there's a little bit of a hole. They dropped a stitch. And so what do they have to do? And I remember back on the farm, we had the privilege of pulling it out again and, and pulling it all through so that you get back to where the drop stitch was and start again. Knit together, it's organised and it has to be done the right way. Don't drop the stitch. He that loveth his brother abideth in light. That's the right way. Love your brother, abide in light. Let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And James is full of that, isn't it? <laughs> You can read about that, not just say you'll do it, but do it. Don't just use your tongue, but use your life to show that you love in word and deed. 
as much as you as a link can minister to other people and serve them, do it. Be knit together. You know, knit together happens because of circumstances in life and you become friends for life. When you're a Christian especially, let us love one another for love is of God. There's a reference in the Old Testament in the book of Samuel, Samuel chapter 18 verses 1 to 3 and I read this and it's about Jonathan and David. Listen to where this word knit is used. He came to pass when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David and Jonathan loved him as his own soul and Saul took him that day and would let him go no more home to his father's house. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And so here was a time when two men, two young men, were knit together, the son of Saul the king and David to be the future king. Anointed so. And they were knit together. Wouldn't have been, it would have been wonderful if Saul hadn't gone off the rails and David had become king and and Jonathan lived on and, and served with David and under David for the rest of his life, but he was killed in battle with his father's, his foolish father Saul. And how we can affect other people. But they were knit together. These were links that you couldn't separate. And you know of people, and, and you may, I pray that you have somebody that you're knit together with like this, as Saul and David were, that is inseparable and great Christian friends and friends for life. You've met them somewhere, you know, at church or at a conference and you become friends and friends for life. And they're the ones you share, share the secrets of life with and the, and the questions you ask them. Um, <laughs> you wouldn't ask somebody else. But being knit together, like David and Jonathan, Christians working together, that we might make a fabulous tapestry when it's all done. <laughs> that it should be, as Ephesians says, the church, holy and without blemish, a complete tapestry. You know, we're looking at the back of it with all the strings hanging out, but the Lord's looking at the front of the tapestry of his church, and one day when the fullness of the Gentiles have come in, it will be completed, and it will be wonderful. The Lord's got some things for the church in the future in heaven, and we know nothing about it. He's got reason for the selection and saving of your soul being a link in the chain and you're a, a, a stitch in the garment, we could say, put together by the Lord himself. Well, <clears throat> let's go to the next one. And all these are so practical, so practical. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 21. Chapter 3 and verse 21, there's several around these, these verses here. <clears throat> Sorry, chapter 2, verse 21. Did I say 3? <laughs> 2, 21. In whom all the building fitly framed together. Links in the chain, framed together. And for the builders that are amongst us and those listening in... <laughs> You know what a, a building is. It, there's not many that do stumps and bearers and joists and floorboards and things like that. It's usually just a concrete slab now and all the order of that. But in the day, and this church is on stumps, when we I pulled the building next door that we bought, the old house, pulling the stumps out, I thought, I wonder if they put sole plates in. Huh. Sole plates. Whereas where you dig a hole and put a flat bit of wood dad in the bottom of the hole for the stump to rest on so the stump didn't sink down through it these are the days before they could afford concrete and they put the stump on that so the sole plate the stump and then you put the bearer with the stump's got a bit of wire sticking out the top bit of steel drill a hole and put the bearer and bend the bend that bit of steel over it we did it here when we were building and then you put the joist across and you get them all level and cut them in so that the, the level, so when you put the floor down, it's flat. <laughs> but they're all working to frame together. It's not only finished there. You have the, the bottom plate on the walls in the top plate. And in between you've got the studs. And in, in, in between them you've got the noggins. And then you've got the ceiling joist. Or today it's trusses 
that go up there and all the all the battens on the top and the tin but it's all framed together one stick on its own doesn't make a building you put all these sticks of different sizes made of cut out of different trees so that they don't rot if they're in the ground you know the old <coughs> hardwood the red the red gum usually or the red box or or whatever it is the the, the harder timbers the ones uh, and, and down on the floor you put the the pine the murray pine and the bugs don't eat that it's so bitter but it's all framed together and God is doing that with his church and as we've said before that the Lord's on the finishing touches you you see a house go up you see a neighbor's house go up or something and and it seems to go up really quick with the the building and then there's it's locked up you know doors are on bricks are up roofs on but then workmen keep coming for months it seems well I thought it was finished no it's being finally touched up other thing the the painting and the, the carpets and the tiles and you know the, the the basins and all the things the the powerpoints are put in all those things are are finished and i think the lord is doing some final touches he might be doing some inspections on on the church his body he's doing some final final touches just putting a few more links in praise god for the souls that are still being saved and are still being used and may they fulfill the purpose for which they were saved in the latter times of the church framed together which stick are you you see if a bearer underneath the building says i don't want to be a bearer i want to be an exposed beam that everybody looks at i don't like being not looked at i like being looked at you know a bit of pride about this and it decides to pull itself out of where it is and put itself up where it shouldn't be. What will happen to the building if everybody starts doing that? And I'm afraid that's what people start doing. You know, I don't want to serve in the church. I don't, want to, I don't like the gift I've got. God has given you it. Use it for his glory. You're framed together, it says in the scripture. And it's so logical, so easy. In, in those days, they didn't have sawmills and they couldn't cut timber as quick and easy as we do today couldn't haul it out of the bush like we do but they did have building programs going you read about the building program that god had in the wilderness of all places in the wilderness to build the tabernacle and god gifted people to do that then they got into the land and later a few hundred years they built the temple and all the ornate things that were done there the gold and that and and it was all framed together christians we are links in the chain. We're framed together. Stay where the Lord has put you. Don't try to get loose of what God has enabled you and gifted you to do. And again, <clears throat> we read in Ephesians 2.22. We go 20, in 22, we've looked at 21, or the first part of it, in whom all the building fitly framed together <clears throat> groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, and later on in Ephesians, there in chapter 5 and verse 27, that he might present it, as I said before, to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle <coughs> or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. And that's what God is making, the Lord is making of his body. And he wants that to be so. Put together, then in verse 22 of Ephesians 2, in whom all... Ye also are built together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. You know what? The church is built together as links in the chain for an habitation of God because each one of us, as we read back in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, having been indwelt by the Spirit of God who have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and we have been made a habitation of God through the Spirit. He, he tabernacles with the believers corporately in a local church and local churches are important we are there for each other to encourage each other in the days of that we live in to encourage each other to try to help each other where we can uh, <clears throat> we are built together a spiritual house an ornate house 
a wonderful house. If you think Solomon's temple, one of the wonders of the ancient world, was spectacular when you read about it, and we can't see it and haven't got a picture of it, you wait till you see the church assembled in heaven. The ornateness of the beauty of it, the wonder of it, the splendor of it, or the glory of it. Because it's the Lord's body, it's his bride, and he's going to have it looking so spectacular. I can guarantee that. It's his. It's going to be perfect. In First Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, it speaks about the, the church. To whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house built up a spiritual house to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. And so as we unite in worship and fellowship around the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, indwelt by the Spirit of God, this is what we become and this is what we do to offer spiritual sacrifices, the the sacrifice of prayer, the sacrifice of giving and all the other sacrifices you can speak about the Christian ought to give acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. God accepts our feeble, the feeble work of our hands and the honestness of our hearts and the holiness of our lives and he builds up a spiritual house, the church. We're built together, folks. Let's remain together. Let's remain on the trail, in the truth, on the track. We just preached it. Go back and listen to that one. I think it was an evening <coughs> service, so not long ago. Framed together, knit together, built together. Even if you're a noggin in the wall, goes that way. Good for anchoring things and pictures too, but stay as a noggin. Don't try to take somebody else's place over. <laughs> then we have in First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10 and 11. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10 and 11. The fourth thing that we're looking at is being together. Where we read, verse 10. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that the, that ye all speak the same thing. Hey, if we're on the same page, that's like saying we're on the same page. If we're all on the same page, we'll be speaking the same thing. It's when people get off the page and follow heretics and, oh, they're everywhere and they're all over the internet and they're all on your phone and it's tiring as a pastor to have to, well, this is the answer to that one and this is the answer to that one. And, uh, And trying to keep up with all the heresies the making highways into the Christians' lives. All the thoughts and intents of the heart that are wrong. You, we need to speak the same thing. If we're in the book, in the Bible, we will. And that there, there be no divisions among you. God doesn't want a divided church. He doesn't want weak links. He wants us to be all united together. There be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together perfectly joined together there it is <laughs> in the same mind in the same judgment isn't it wonderful when you talk about a situation or talking about doctrine to fellow Christians that are on fire for the Lord that are in the spirit of God that are reading the word of God and you've maybe even not met them before but you start having fellowship with them and you talk about spirit and you come to the same conclusions you've come to the same conclusions you're from the other side of the world but you're still at perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. You know, the Corinthian church was a very divided church. And Paul said to them at one stage, he said, Isn't there a wise man among you that can judge between the brethren? Oh, judge. Yeah, that's what it says. Oh, but they go back to Matthew and say, well, Judge not that ye be not judged, but judge righteous judgment. Keep reading the book. And there they were, they were to be Paul said, isn't there somebody who is a mature Christian that can make a judgment on this situation and come to the truth and that other people will be willing who are at odds with each other to submit themselves to one another in the fear of the Lord and in humility? For it hath been declared unto me, Paul said, by the, of you, my brethren, by them who are of the house of Chloe. So here's the informer. Chloe had told me 
our brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so and, you know, whoever else. <sighs> yes, by them of the house of Chloe that there are contentions among you. Weak links in the chain. Divisions in the church. The Lord is not going to work. The Lord is not going to add new people to the church. Newly born Christians, people who are unsaved to be saved, well, there's divisions in the family. Well, there's problems in the household. You know, I know families, and mum and dad are at each other, at each other, at each other, all the, all the time. They eventually usually split, go their ways. God allows children to come into that home. And you know what happens to the children? They're all infected affected and infected with that division with mum and dad. You want to keep your children, you want to be sure that you know you teach them in the way of the Lord and when they're old they don't depart therefrom. Stop the divisions. Stop the haggling. Stop the arguing between mum and dad. Agree with it. It's the same in the church, folks, we have to work together, labour together and humble ourselves to the truth of the word and stop trying to get at the throat of some other Christian. There are contentions among you at Corinth. Now this I say that every one of you saith, I'm of Paul, he's the best preacher, he knows the most. Or I am of Apollos, because that had him preaching too. Well, I'm of evangelist such and so. I'm of a, 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 one of those big ones. You know, there's a, there's, a, there's a lot of big big churches out there that are going off in their doctrine, but because they're big Christians in smaller churches like ours, so they must be doing the right thing. Let's listen to them instead. And they drag in the heresies from those places into the assemblage in the local one. And cause all sorts of strife. And they go off on their own path and, and they start beating their drum and they're beating their drum until they die and they're of no value to the church because they're causing contentions and divisions all the way through. I say, brother, every one of you saith, I'm a Paul, I'm a and I'm of Cephas, Peter. Or I, oh, well, I'm of Christ, I'm a church of Christ. Of course, I'm more superior to all the others. Paul said, no, not so. <laughs> Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? God wants us, as according to verse 10, as Paul said, to be perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. It's because somebody does not want to say this is truth. Somebody wants to say that we don't interpret it literally. We want to spiritualize it. And then you have all sorts of divisions and troubles. Of course you will. And down to the history of the church, of all these people, church fathers, you know, as I said just recently, church fathers are called church fathers mainly because the Catholics wanted them to be church fathers and they preached the doctrine they wanted. There are thousands of others that were alive when those people were alive. They're just people, just Christians, hopefully, that wrote as much and better than what these ones we have come down through history to us but their writings and their sayings have been destroyed by those that didn't agree with them. And of course, if you're not of the same mind, the councils of the church and the things in history that went on are perfectly joined together, knit together, framed together, built together, joined together. We are joined together by the common faith. <laughs> it says it in the scripture. We're framed together with the glue of the gospel and the fetters of faith I've put down here. <laughs> we're, we're, um, you might have seen some old tim, old uh, cupboards or something and they're finger jointed. You don't see much of it today because they use glue and screws. And, but they're, they're tapered and the other one comes in and there's a taper on the opposite direction and they are put together like that. They can't be put together. They're put together and glued. And they are very, very strong. Finger-jointed. And God finger-joints us together 
with the glue of the gospel and the fetters of faith to be what he wants us to be, the household of the household of faith. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 now and verse 22. 1 Corinthians 12, 22. <clears throat> we read in verse 22, Nay, much more those members, that's where we were here before, of, of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And down to verse 24 that we emphasized earlier when we introduced this topic. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered, tempered the body together, having given more abundant honour to the part which lacked. Tempered together. God's done this, remember? God's put this together. He's put you and me in the same place. He put us in families, physical families, put us in the church family. And he's tempered us together. Now, this is a term that a fitting and machining person, a mechanic might use. Uh, tempered together. When I was training to be a turner and fitter back way back then, in uh, when I was 16 years old, 17, 18, 19, or whatever, <clears throat> those few few years of doing an apprenticeship, there was learning to make cogs. I've actually still got a few cogs I made at home on the machine, but we we did do one, but we didn't do everybody's cog. We tempered it. And that cog had to be of a certain material, certain metal, that you could temper it. A cog could be needs to be somewhat soft on the inside so it can take impact, but very hard on the outside so it can wear. And you'd heat the cog, and if you get an oxytorch and heat metal, you'll see it go different colours as it's being heated and rising in temperature. You'd heat it to a certain colour... <clears throat> Then you would quench it in oil or carbon and if you cooled it quicker it would come out different than if you cooled it slower and slowly drop the temperature and that was what makes the cogs in your car and your gearbox and your differential or your universals or whatever and they, they can harden them <clears throat> so that the last and I think they can make things last a lot longer but they want them to wear out so you and I will buy more of them and fix our old machine. But there they're tempered together. They're, they're made to fit in the, in the back of your car. If you've got a rear drive, you've got a differential and there's two main cogs. They're the, the bigger one and the smaller one and they're, they're made at an angle and the other one's made at a different angle. And, you, <clears throat> and they go together. And I remember setting up the same thing in the bulldozer at the back and the cog's about that big, the main one, and the other one's about that big. And you put them together... And then you have to put some blue, it was, blue marking material on them and run them around to see that they were making contact correctly all over the face of the cog so they weren't chewing on one corner or the other corner and you had to adjust the cogs up or down or in or out with shims to make it, ro to make it work right. And these things are all tempered together. You know, God has put the church together just so accurately. More so than these machines that I talk about. Tempered together. <laughs> to bring him the glory. And God has done that. Verse 11 of chapter 12. These things worketh that one and the very <clears throat> same spirit dividing severally as he would. The spirit does it. Verse 18. Now, but, but now God hath set the members... This one there, that one there, this one in this church, that one in that church. They need this, they need that one. We'll put that. And pray to God that he would bring into our midst people that are that way. I, I've seen over the decades that we've been serving here, God send in people that have an evangelistic heart. That people might be brought in. It seems that God brings many of those and some of them take themselves out want to do their own thing and have their own following. Well... <clears throat> Pray God that he'd bring others in to replace those that are evangelistic in their attitude. He can get out, he can talk to people and introduce them to the Lord Jesus Christ and introduce them to the gospel and be saved. You know, if you've got the gift of evangelism, do it. Don't, don't keep it to yourself, me, myself and my kids, and that's it. Go out, do it. And be tempered together. God put it 
Put each one in verse 24 of chapter 12 says the same thing. For our comely past hath <coughs> have no need, but God hath tempered the body together. We've looked at the one. Verse 28. God hath set some in the church. Now, if God puts you in a local church, God saves you in the church, you know what you should do? Stick at it. Remain in the same calling in which you were called. Fulfill your task in that church faithfully, <clears throat> if necessary, until you die. And the Lord takes you home, promoted to glory. God put you there. Why are you removing yourself from there? It's Bible. I'm not saying it and they're saying, oh, he's a strict <laughs> Baptist. He's, uh, ah, just what the Bible says, what God has done. Four times in that chapter it says God tempered it. God put it, <coughs> excuse me, together. One more for today, for this evening, and we'll go to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12. We've been knit together, framed together, built together, joined together, tempered together. This is the fellowship of organisation. These things are organised, you know, all these, whether it be a building, whether it be a gearbox, whatever, it's all organised. It's made to function. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> and last one, commune together. Luke 24, we seem to be looking at these characters a few times lately. The two on the road to Emmaus after the crucifixion of the Lord <coughs> and after the resurrection. And two of them went the same day to a village called Emmaus, which was Jerusalem, about three score furlongs, about 11 kilometres. And they walked together. Sorry. And they talked together. <laughs> Of all these things that had happened. They were communing together. They were so <clears throat> connected with what they were talking about. The third person joined them and they didn't realise it was the Lord. They were so enamoured and talking about <clears throat> what had happened. Of these things that had happened. In verse 15, and it came to pass that while they communed together. There it is. Communed together in reason. Jesus himself drew near and went with them. <clears throat> so they're communing together. <clears throat> Talking together. How good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. The Bible says that in Psalm 133. Psalm 133 has only got three verses. Reads, behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Communing one with another. And we're not talking about the communion that we have, that we need to have again soon. In the Lord's Supper. <clears throat> but we're talking about talking with one another. Talking about the Lord Jesus. <clears throat> it is like the precious ointment upon the head and ran down upon the beard even Aaron's beard that went down into the skirts of his garments like the dew of Hermon like the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion for there the Lord commanded the blessing even life forevermore and so <clears throat> this togetherness this communing together is seen by the Lord as something precious before him something that he wishes he's his people would do, commune together about spiritual matters. And, you know, you can get in a car and you start talking and communing with somebody and you've got a three-, four-hour trip, say, to Melbourne. And all of a sudden you're in Melbourne. <laughs> what happened? How did that happen so quick? Well, you're communing so intently together and having such a good time around the Word of God <clears throat> that the time just went so quick. Now there's a verse in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 16 that says, And they that feared the Lord spoke often one to another. And the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. You see, we provoke each other to love and to good works by communing one with another by encouraging one another, by giving our insights of Scripture one to another and, and, and like uh, iron sharpening iron, we, we see if this is right by communing together and talking one with another. And the book of remembrance was written for them people 
or those people that <clears throat> did that in that day of Malachi. And so it is good for Christians to commune together. There's another reference in the book of Ecclesiastics in chapter 4 and verses 9 through to the to 12, I think it is. 9, and it reads there, Two are better than one because they have good reward for their labour. If they fall, the one will lift the other his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him, to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one warm alone? You know, what's that like? <laughs> Maybe you've got the war- oh, a hot water bottle, or today, of course, the electric blanket. But <clears throat> they warm each other the the warmth of fellowship the warmth of communion the warmth of talking together about the lord and getting excited about spiritual matters and this happens so often in men's prayer time in prayer times and places where you commune before you pray about the things of the lord for if they fall one will lift his fellow up again if two lie together and they have heat in verse 12 and if one prevail against him Two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not easily or quickly broken. And so it is with the communion together. How about you? Link in the chain. Strong link, winked link. Causing everyone, or a lot of people, to fail because of your weakness and your constant failings in your Christian life. Or are you a strong link and helping others? Knit together, the fellowship of organisation. Knit together, framed together, built together, joined together, tempered and communing together may god bless you and i as we labor together until he comes while he's finishing his church putting it all together the lord will build us to a holy temple in the lord let's close with prayer thank you lord for the truth of the word it's so practical it's so down to earth it's so easy to understand yet we fail to obey it and to put it into our practice into practice may your lord you build us together as a holy habitation for the indwelling of the spirit and may we be may it be evident that the spirit is moving and working in our midst for the glory of the lord jesus christ and for the building of his church minister to us and may we be in sorts with each other not out of sorts <clears throat> may we be in touch and doing that which is pleasing to you. And Lord, if there be one that's unsaved, may they realise they're out of it altogether. They're not even a stick of timber in the wall of the church. They're not even saved. They're lost. They're in the world and they're going to be condemned and they need to believe on the Lord Jesus. Trust him as their saviour that he might cleanse them from their sin and give them the garment of salvation. Bless the word for the glory of the Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen.